Welcome back to Gen Zen, a place where we discuss everything spirituality and self-development as we navigate life as Gen Zs together. In today's episode, I'm joined by my glorious mother. She is a coach, a yoga teacher, and all-round radiant being. And we dive deep into all things yoga, from the physical postures to the philosophy to the eight limbs of yoga. We discuss where yoga comes from, how much the physical postures do for us, and how you can develop your practice for greater mindfulness. We also debunk some of the common myths, such as yoga's origins being just from India, and that you have to be flexible in order to do yoga. It's a real deep dive into the meaning behind the practice and how yoga is really the basis of all modern mindfulness. We really hope you enjoy. Thank you for agreeing to be my first guest. You're welcome. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. <laughs> I did I did write some notes on it. So, do you want to kind of give yourself a little introduction, who you are, what you're about, and kind of what's been your journey to get you here so far? Yeah, absolutely. Um so my name's Joe. I am Holly's mum. And I am indeed a yoga teacher. Um, so perhaps a, a little bit of um, background on on my um, sort of spiritual journey or what brought me here. Um, I will go back to n- not too far, but to when I was nineteen and I was I was living at home. Um, I'd just come back from being an au pair in America for a year, and I'd met a boy. <laughs> and how all good stories start I'd met a boy <laughs> I'd met a boy and we were fairly close and suddenly we're 3,000 miles apart um, I started studying and working um, and back in the day before the smartphone we um, communicated via uh, letters so I'd write a letter it would take seven days to get there he'd write one back it would take seven days for me to get it we were only allowed to phone each other on weekends when it was cheap to use your landline. One particular day, I'm writing an essay and I just got this urge to speak to him. So against the rules of the house, I picked up the phone and dialed his number. And without it actually ringing, he was on the other end of the phone. And he had phoned me at exactly the same moment. So, of course, I went rushing off to my dad and said, you'll never guess what's just happened. Um, And then realised that I was revealing this uh, (laughs) multi phone call. Anyway, so my dad um, at the time, he practised yoga, meditation. Um, He was following a a guy at the time I didn't know, Deepak Chopra. Um, And he said to me very calmly, well, that's that's because you're on the same energy level. so you, we're all connected, even though you're a continent apart. Um, you sense people's thoughts, feelings, because you're on the same energy level. And I, because he was so calm about it, it, it struck me that, you know, there's something more to life than just this sort of two-dimensional, um, you know, sort of... 3D yeah. world that we're in. This, this, this reality, you know, this perceived reality we're in um so I I then went on to um have further conversations with him and I said I remember saying to him once I'm worried that one day I'll have to make a really important decision and I won't know what to do because I've never made a decision in my life I was I was 21 I think at the time and he proceeded to point out to me these decisions I'd made and I said well they were, they didn't feel like decisions. They were just no-brainers of, you know, obviously I was going to do that. It was so, um, you know, sort of a, a clearly a good decision. He said, well, that's just the point. You're on a higher level of consciousness. This is what he actually said to me. Um, so you're guided. So you're in the flow of life and you feel guided. So everything um, just feels like natural and natural progression. Um, so... At that point, I didn't necessarily do any reading on it. Um, I was just aware that there was there was something else going on, um, which was was a nice feeling. And my life did did start to flow. Um, 
just to stop just to pause you there I think the flow is really interesting and it's interesting that granddad followed Deepak Chopra because he says life should always be lived in flow it's Kriya isn't it it's called Kriya and if you're not in flow then something's wrong (laughs) you're the one blocking the energy it's only you it's the natural state is Kriya it's flow with everything around us I think that's really cool yeah so um but carry on absolutely so in in terms of um so that's probably where the start of spirituality um was and then my life just flowed beautifully um and then in 2010 um a friend of mine asked me to go to yoga with her and it'd been something I'd been thinking about. What I was looking for, I, I used to do lots of physical exercise, lots of aerobics and step and this sort of thing, um, which I I began to feel that my body was, um, I was just overworking it a bit. But I wanted to do something where I, f- I felt in touch, in connection with my body without pounding it at the gym. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll go along to this yoga. It means I can have a coffee with her beforehand. So... I went along to this yoga, 2010 it was, um, and I, I have to be honest, the first time I went, I didn't particularly enjoy it. I wasn't wasn't like, wow, this is amazing, but something started to happen. Um, I, I obviously got more flexible and more, you know, stronger, but also my mind started being super calm. Um, I began to start accepting myself um less judgment for other people and this happens sort of gradually but I noticed a difference when do you think you started to notice it how long do you think it had been um it it was probably a few months in um so I kept on going and I was going twice a week and then I I used to go to the, the yearly retreats that the the class had and then in 2016 the teacher said to me I think you're ready for the foundation course which I had no idea what that what that actually was um she said but it's just a year-long course and you go on it and you learn more about the uh, philosophy of yoga and um the anatomy and it's the first year of a teaching course and I said oh I don't want to be a teacher I you know I didn't I didn't I didn't want to be a teacher but why did you not want to be a teacher at that point um I just thought I didn't have the confidence to teach um so I I just didn't know it wasn't anything against teaching I just didn't see myself as a teacher um but when I went on the course I found it fascinating particularly the philosophy of yoga the roots of yoga um the other limbs of yoga and uh, as well as the anatomy and and learning more deeply about the postures um so to cut a long story short I ended up doing all three years and I popped out the end as a yoga teacher because in the last year they didn't tell you was you had to create a class and be assessed to get through the course so um I got a little class together and I taught every week and I really enjoyed it particularly teaching people who'd never experienced didn't know what yoga was never done it before um so you know that that really filled me up um since then since being introduced to this sort of philosophy of yoga i've i now read lots of books on um spiritual development um go on spiritual retreats and just generally try to live from that from that place Mm. that's that's been my journey you know very nice I love those stories I forget about the the phoning story as well but you have told me that before I think it's 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 crazy but it's also not at all it's like well obviously that would happen but I think also people sometimes expect that they're going to go to a yoga class and like it's all going to be wow this is amazing and if they don't feel that they're kind of like write off yoga altogether because like oh that's just not for me then but actually there's so many different teachers and types of yoga that you can't rule it out just by going to one class it sometimes takes time to find the right 
the right class for you and the right teacher and kind of get into it I think absolutely that it has been said that there are as many types of yoga as there are teachers because it's a very it's a very personal um exchange of energy Mm. I I encourage anyone who who has says they've tried yoga and it's not worked for them to just try a different teacher um because it is it is an exchange of energy um and it's personal to to the to the to the teacher and yeah. to where you are at the time yeah that's so true you know, even that day you can be in a different place to where you were when you went before exactly I'm thinking of the class we went to together on Friday it was a nice restorative evening class but my energy was just I wanted to move and do do some power postures and we were there lying in extended shavasana and I was really resisting it but it did, you know it doesn't mean that yoga is suddenly not for me it's just that class wasn't wasn't matching my energy at that particular moment so, and, yeah. and that, that is also yoga noticing the resistance in you for mm. something you're you're probably it it's rare that you go to a class and love every posture and every minute of it you know sometimes yeah. you might even be clock watching but know that there is something going on. Okay. Why do you think it's important for people to uh, be aware of that? Because at, um, we'll get into this a bit later, but we, we're not, um, sometimes we feel like we are our body or we are our mind or our thoughts. But what we actually are is the awareness behind that. So that's where the power is. That's where we're connected to everything else, consciousness and and that that deeper sense of self. So when the body starts saying, oh, I don't really like this. Oh, I've been in this posture too long. Or, oh, this is too easy or too slow. That's not that's not the self. That's the body talking. And you can always just be aware of that. And that's that's connecting to your true self and just mm. noticing, oh, that's an interesting thought or, oh, look, the body is wanting to do something else. <laughs> and you may have felt like that on Friday because you'd just been swimming in a lake. So you felt a bit cold and, and you wanted to warm up. <laughs> it might have been <laughs> yes. just as simple as that. But noticing is is where it's at. Mm. So that kind of leads us nicely into my next question which I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what does it mean? And this is quite a big question, but what to you does it mean to be spiritual? So the word spirit um, is, as I, as I just sort of described, is that which is the true self. So it's it's underneath the ego. It's separate to the ego. It's the stillness beneath. Um, so it's not your external appearance. It's beyond the mind. Um, you know, it basically is the essence of, as, of who we are. And if we can live from a place which is separate from these things, or not, not separate, but below, beneath, then we're living a spiritual life. So in practical terms, it's not seeking happiness from external things, mm. um, living from a place of non-judgment. So we don't judge other things, other people. Um, we don't try and change things. Um, living a spiritual life is is the sort of that moment where you wonder, you're living in wonder of the unfolding of everything. Everything is exactly as it should be. Um, people are just doing doing their best. You're doing your best. You're being kind to them, kind to yourself, um, and just living from that place of awareness. So that's mm-hmm. that's what it means to be spiritual, in my view. Sometimes I think when when we talk about just being aware and aware of the unfolding, people can mistake that for thinking that then there's no 
joy and no emotion and it all feels a little bit numb you know okay I'm I'm aware I'm really aware but I feel like I'm not participating how can I participate in my life and still be aware you know because things are gonna upset me and I do have all these range of emotions because that's what it means to be human so how do you think what would you say to that to someone who's worried that being aware will just make them sort of feel a bit numb (laughs) okay so so this place um of stillness that we talk about this awareness is is our true nature and our true nature is pure joy so when you live from that place of awareness you experience pure joy all the time so obviously there's going to be emotions but they're different to this sense of joy this sense of deep sort of contentment but as you say being human is about experiencing life it's not like it's not about sitting on a mountain and just going oh yes i feel joy <laughs> um, it's about yeah. you know getting up doing things with other people and experiencing those emotions um but so you you live fully but with a sense of um, detachment in terms of it doesn't matter too much. Mm. You still have the emotion, but 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 there's not that sort of attachment to it. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy. If if this goes away, I'm going to be really sad. You know that that sort of um, tension with it. Yeah, that that clinging to it. Yeah, but yes, of course, you still have emotions. You can still. Be happy when you win the lottery and sad when you lose everything <laughs> or anything in between. So you call yourself a yogi in general. Mm-hmm. And I'm intrigued as to what exactly you mean by that. What does it mean to be a yogi? Is it the same as a religion or is it just a way of life? How would you explain being a yogi? So... um it's simply practicing yoga. Um, so yoga comes from um, the Vedic period, which dates back to about two and a half thousand years BC. Wow. Um, and that's when tribes from Afghanistan and Central Asia moved moved to India and began to make it their homeland. And at that time, they... So people think of yoga as being from India. And and yes, that's where the origins were. That's where these ancient texts started to come. Um, but it was actually a fusion of um, Middle Eastern and Central Asian um, tribes as well as, as, as India. Um, so they this is where they started to share um, the Vedas. That's Vedas means knowledge. So these are the first um, sharing of knowledge. But actual yoga, um, perhaps the, the two most famous texts that they come from is the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali and the Bhagavad Gita. Um, the Sutras of Patanjali um, are between, we're not quite sure, <laughs> we're not quite sure whether it's one man or a, a group of people but 200 BC and AD 200. So it's quite a long t- time period. Um, 400 years. And, and these sutras mean, sutra means thread. So these are um, sort of little teachings that make up the uh, philosophy of yoga, if you like. So that's perhaps um, a good place to start. By the 1300s, there were texts on hatha yoga which is the physical postures um the hatha yoga pradipika which we study in in uh, yoga teaching was the the first text that went into the postures um does hatha yoga encompass all the different types of yoga because i've heard of like there's ashtanga and kundalini and all that does hatha yoga encompass all of that or is it a strand it all comes it all comes from that so that the the physical postures um and then from from there there were some some teachers who 
then obviously taught in in India and then there were teachers who came brought it over to the west um so it all sort of stems from the same um root but all the branches come off which is why you get so many different types of yoga um or brands as they call them (laughs) the brands of yoga (laughs) the brands of yoga but it all comes down really to the um to the uh the way of the the way of living um you know you've you've got the you've got the different ways of physically practicing yoga but when you establish a practice you start to you start to change and you start to realize that um you're seeing life in a slightly different way and that and that to me is is the beauty of yoga that's the essence of yoga so it didn't start with the physical postures? No. Right. So it actually started with, what What did it actually start with then? So the word yoga means union. Um, I did not know that. Between, so mind, body and consciousness. So when we talk about the the physical postures, I say all. Um, obviously, that you know, there's eighty thousand of them, and they they you know do great things for our body. But eighty thousand postures. Yeah. Wow. So what they were designed to do is is to to create a state in our body where we can sit down for a long time and meditate. Because the state of yoga being um, that fusion connection between consciousness, mind, and body is obtained through meditation but you can't meditate if you can't sit on the floor <laughs> with your spine straight for you know for hours which which is what they used to do in the indian tradition so they had to have flexibility in their hips they had to have strong spines strong legs um they had to have good posture and they had to have a um steadiness of mind to keep them there because i don't know how many how many of your listeners do regular meditation but you know perhaps after 45 minutes or an hour people are starting to fidget and um, uh, try five minutes <laughs> I think <laughs> I think an hour would be quite impressive well, at least for me but so, yeah so that's where where yoga comes from it's you know they were they were trying to reach enlightenment in a nutshell to reach enlightenment you have to sit for a long time and meditate or oh, how am I going to do that I need to do these physical postures Mm. And I don't think many people know that about yoga, really. They just think of it as the postures, which... Yeah. So so there are eight limbs limbs of yoga. Um, mm. Yeah. Do you want to talk and a bit the, more about them? The physical postures are known as asana, and that's just one of the limbs. Um, and they're called limbs because they sort of make up the body of yoga. So that's why they're called limbs and not sort of a list. Um, the first limb is is yama, which is ethical living. Five practices for eco- ethical living. Um, so it's that's how we live in relation to other people. So the five practices are non-violence, which sounds extreme, but actually, you know, translates to kindness. So kindness. Second one is truth or openness, non-stealing. Or... Self-explanatory, that one. Well, yes, but also you can turn it around to being, you know, giving, generosity, living from abundance. Uh, number four is non-indulgence. Um, so some people think that about that as celibacy back in the day. Um, but it could be things like, you know, talking too much, taking too much airtime um, or, you know, materialism, being self-centered. So that's number four. And number five is non-possessiveness. That's kind of the non-attachment. Non-attachment, exactly. Exactly. So those are five practices for ethical living. Those are the yama. That's that's yamas. And is is it that sort of you with the eight limbs, the idea was that they all kind of follow on from each other? So the yama is sort of the most basic and then you move up or or are they just all eight limbs and equal 
yes, you um, they're not designed to move from one to the other. They're all connected with each other. Um, mm -hmm. But the first two are sort of given. Um, well, the first three actually are practices that you do yourself. And the next ones come naturally from that. I see. Um, so these, these, the first three are ones that, yeah, if I'm, if I'm looking for a to-do list, this is what I need to do. <laughs> I need yeah. to do these five practices for ethical living. I need to do the five principles that I'm going to talk about and I need to do my asana practice. And then the rest will then follow. And then I get to samadhi, which is enlightenment at the end. So carry on with the journey. I'm I'm intrigued to know all eight now. So that was five practices. That's the yamas. Next one we've got niyama, which is five principles for healthy living, and this is how we live in relation to ourself. So the first one's about others. This is about ourself. So number one, cleansing and purity. Number two is contentment. Number three, self-discipline. Number four, self-study. And number five, connection with the divine or God as you as you understand it. So that's about surrender, living from a place of surrender. So letting life just unfold and be exactly how it is. And that's mm. something that, that I've certainly found through my journey is um, surrendering to and, and knowing that everything is exactly as it as it should be. And there's a, a real sense of calm that comes from that kind of sort of zen that comes from that. So you lose the resistance to, oh, why did that happen? Because you go, hmm, it just is. The isness of the moment. The isness of the moment. So that's Niyama. Then we've got Asana which is the physical postures so people are probably aware of those even if they haven't done them themselves um then pranayama which is the breathing and there's mm. lots of breathing practices in yoga um obviously we breathe every moment from when we're born to when we die how often do we actually notice we're breathing maybe sometimes when we're panicked or when we're trying to calm ourselves down or excited but um, there are practices you can do to create that um, sense of calm. So um, pranayama, breathing. Is then, that is that sort of the same as traditional breath work? So is it just about becoming aware of the breath or are there actual practices to, say, calm the breathing? Yes, yeah, there, are, there are practices. There's lots of practices. Um, like you have physical postures, you have... Um, the loma breath, the, the ladder breath. Um, there's a breath where you kind of lock in your um, the banders. So not not to get into it, but um, <laughs> the diaphragms to to um, release your life force energy, release the energy in the body. So it's not just to calm yourself down; it's to um, change the energy in your body and, mm, and shift it practices um alternate nostril breathing as well to balance the left and right side of the of the body and the brain and uh, lots of different practices if you're interested in that just type in pranayama you'll get all kinds of <laughs> yogic practices breath practices so then that leads us on to pratyahara um withdrawal from the senses um which happens naturally when you perform the other the um the breath work and the physical postures so that's sort of coming back to the self mm. um dharana i can never really say that dharana concentration so um sort of um yeah concentration i guess on is that so and these are the ones that come from doing the other you know the ethical living and the asana and the pranayama is you sort of develop more concentration is that your sort of moment to moment awareness your 
involvement in one task. So when you're doing a task, you're actually concentrated on that rather than, you know, often I think if we're relating it to practical living, if you sit down with your to-do list, if you are concentrated, you can be more in the moment, in the moment and not go, oh, but I also need to do this, this and this. It's you're concentrated and you're present. Exactly. Yeah. I I guess commonly known as mindfulness. Mm, Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you, you explain it very well. And then the next one is Diana, which is meditation that everyone will know. Um, and then the ultimate is samadhi, um, which is freedom from illusion. The illusion that we are just in this 3D reality. Um, and we are all one consciousness. We're all connected. We all come from the same thing. We all go to the same thing. Um, so samadhi is, yeah, I guess you'd call it enlightenment. Wow. So that's, that's and that's it. That's all there is, really. <laughs> that's all there is. Yeah. And then everything just unfolds. Mm. I love that because I, I really don't think many people at all know about the eight limbs of yoga. They just know the asanas and maybe, you know, they've heard of meditation. But essentially, a lot of society's perception of mindfulness now has its roots in yoga it sounds like people may be not aware of it, but actually it's, it's come, it's an ancient tradition. It's not something we've just gone, we're not just developed now. It's, you know, it's been practiced for centuries and centuries before us. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look back to the, the Vedas, um, you know, thousands of years BC, that knowledge um, is what has formed the basis of, most religions in the world wow um, so yeah it's 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 rooted in something that you know in in our essence in essential nature mm. and we've just found a way of of teaching that and practicing that and bringing that into our everyday life as you say mm. so how do you feel like you use the eight limbs in your everyday life do you think that do you think about them regularly or are they so embedded now that you just do it so naturally so um obviously with my with being a yoga teacher you do the postures regularly um and the breathing which uh although in my classes I don't teach um because I I like to teach beginners have lots of beginners in my classes and so I tend to avoid the more severe um, or detailed breathing practices but I always get people to notice their breath Um, but the yamas and the niyamas yes are something that you they've been sort of embedded in my mind since I was at primary school every day every day we had an assembly at primary school and they would say what's the golden rule golden rule was treat others the way you would like to be treated and that remains the same it's one of the yamas um Mm. kindness it's the first one um non-violence so kindness to yourself kindness to other people because we're we're all connected Mm. so um you know there's there's obviously gratitude comes into it um and i practice gratitude on a regular basis every day I don't necessarily get out a book and write down what I'm grateful for although sometimes I do but it just I always take a moment to notice where I am what what I'm grateful for and that brings about a sense of abundance because you you can you can't live in a place of scarcity when you realize there's so much so much to be grateful for even if that is just I'm I'm breathing, <laughs> I, I feel no pain today or the sky's blue or mm. I got to work on time, whatever it is, um, the more you've, you've, you're grateful for that, the more that will grow. 
mm. and you'll see more of it in your in your life um you know i i try to yeah live by those by those um yamas and, and niyamas always um learning developing and probably one of the the ones that i'm most aware of is is non-judgment and um non-attachment but just trying to accept other people and situations for just what they are they just are um and not and not having a resistance to it if it's not you know the way i perhaps would have planned it mm. so what would you say to someone who is maybe practicing a little bit of yoga as in the asanas physical postures but doesn't necessarily feel connected to the other eight limbs of yoga but is quite interested in it where would you sort of direct them or yeah tell them to think about that's a good question that's a really good question um i would say do some self study so there there are some very very good books on yoga um so pick a book that talks about the yamas and the niyamas and it will inevitably talk about all all of the limbs and start noticing even if you don't read the whole book it's probably got lots on on other things as well the physical postures um but start looking at how those relate to your life what ones come naturally to you now um perhaps you you know you you're you're keen to learn so you're you're doing lots of self study um but but notice just start by noticing what you do in your life naturally and then look at things that you think oh that might be quite cool to do that to start being a bit more like that or um maybe um being a bit more open or perhaps um less indulgent so perhaps when i meet up with my friends listen more than i talk perhaps talk less about myself and be more interested in other people that's you know sometimes we're very excited about something and we want to share it with everyone and that's great but also know that the other person has got that same feeling so sometimes just listening sitting back and letting giving that space for someone to just share is you know is a real gift so mm. noticing things like that um so that that's what i would i would suggest obviously you can find that on on the web as well but the books tend to be a good a good place to start Mm. I also think this is what one of my yoga teachers says is and I I didn't really get this to start with but now I do it all the time and if a yoga teacher doesn't say it at the start I'm like oh I don't know what my intention is is bring an intention to your practice set an intention whether it's to clear your mind or stay more in the moment or just relax or move your energy around whatever it is come with some intention and that automatically will make you think more well think more maybe think less actually is is perhaps the point less about just you know getting through the class doing the postures and more about what the class is is giving you and what what you want to get from it yeah yeah I think that's I think that's really really important and I went to a class early on and they said um set your intention perhaps you want to send this energy to someone who needs it oh I like that and I thought well that's lovely because energy transfers so you know we we know remote healing works um so you could be doing your practice for someone who isn't practicing or can't practice um I thought that was nice as well. Mm. So what would you say to someone who is put off starting yoga because they well put off from starting yoga because they think that they're not good at it, they're not flexible, they just can't do it and they don't really understand it or see the point. What would you what advice would you give that person? 
Well, if they had an interest in it, I guess that, that that's a that's a given. Um, I'd say take twenty seconds of courage and just go to a class because the yoga teacher, as you as you say, most yoga teachers will talk about intention. They will also talk about being kind to your body and it's your practice for you on your mat. So when you're on your mat, that's your practice. They guide you from the front. But if you don't feel comfortable with something or it's something is outside of where, where you are physically, you just go down to the other level or you just sit or you just lie down. I had someone in my class who was in recovery and so she was very jittery and couldn't um, stay still and she said I don't want to take up the place in the class because I can't do all all of the movements so I said to her it was absolutely fine if you just want to stay here and she said so she would come to the class and she would just sit on the mat she said because I I can feel the energy and it makes me feel better so um you know yoga teachers are not the judgy type <laughs> they're not going to say what are you doing why aren't you doing it and I think you'd be surprised at what your body can do when you when you really relax into it. Um, I, I've, I've had people who say, oh, no, I don't do yoga. It's not for me. And I said, well, just start the class and we'll you can just walk out when you've had enough. And he ended up doing the whole class. So I said, we're just going to stand up. You, you can do that. Right. <laughs> forget that we we do yoga every single day. We've been doing it ever since we were babies. So in our classes, we lie on the on our backs and we um, wave our legs in the air, just like you did as a baby. And then you go on all fours like like you used to crawl as a baby. So these are all natural movements for the body. And yes, we we might be stiff because we sit down a lot at a desk or we do a lot of running. So our hamstrings are very tight and we're not as flexible as we'd like to be. But these movements that we do in yoga are very natural. So I'd say come along and just and just try it mm. and see, see what your you know your body will surprise you. And also the very act, uh, very purpose of yoga is to let go of the ego. And so if if you're going to a class trying to bend in a certain way or touch your toes, then you're kind of missing the point <laughs> of what yoga is about. Really. Yeah, and I think you'll get a sense of that from the teacher. It, you know, you 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 can't explain it before you go to a yoga class, but once you get in the class and everyone's on their mat, it's a great leveler. Um, everyone's the same. Everyone's just, you know in their body, um, and there's a sense of relaxation. So you you do tend to leave the ego at the door. Mm. And and you've always said to me, even if you even if you want to practice yoga at home, let's say, and you don't know what to do, just just roll out your mat and just get on the mat and just see what movement comes. Even if you do just lie on your back and wave your legs in the air or, or whatever, or just shake out. It's it's so important to take that time to be it's about being in your body and being aware of being in your body rather than actually what you do what postures you do absolutely um there's there's a there's a very um poignant phrase is it doesn't matter what you do it's how you do it and that mm. that's across all of life um but but also in yoga so you can lie on your back so a lot of classes start you lie on your back with your feet on the floor and your knees in the air and sometimes we just lie there for a few just all you do is lie there for a few minutes. But what you start to notice when you're lying there, after a minute or so, your body starts to really rest and relax back into the floor. And the front of your body and your 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 chest and your tummy, everything just softens back. And these are the things, that's yoga. That's what, what you want to notice. So advanced yoga is moving with awareness even if you're lying on the floor and just breathing. That mm -hmm. is moving with awareness. But you could also be doing the most elaborate headstand. But if you're thinking about your shopping list, that's not advanced yoga. It looks advanced on Instagram, 
But advanced yoga is moving with awareness. So you're completely aware of your body mm. and and let it um let it relax. When it relaxes, you'll find that movement will come. Like I've said to you, just get on the mat and, and try. But anyone who hasn't done yoga, lie on their lie on your back, just bring it, um, bend your knees up, put your feet on the floor, and you're doing yoga. And just feel the weight of your body sinking towards the floor Mm. yoga do you think you can be a yogi and not do the postures just your personal opinion on that um you you can do um you could do the breathing practices um you can live live well from yama and niyama um i mean the word yogi, I suppose, is it's not um, it's not prescriptive. <laughs> There's no exam, but yes, it, somebody who practices yoga—that's any of the li- any of the limbs. Um, so the breathing, the um, the yama, the niyama, or the asana. Mm. Thank you. That's been very very insightful. I feel like we could just keep keep chatting and chatting I am aware of that (laughs) no it's really good so just some closing off questions a question that I really like to ask people at the end is what makes you feel zen um so physically um being in nature is is probably the the biggest um doing yoga when I'm in nature even more then (laughs) (laughs) um but being aware of that that stillness that I was talking about the silence um and feeling that even behind the noise that sometimes is is happening in life so even when you're working in a busy office everyone's doing their thing there's lots of noise but you, when I have my feet on the floor, I can tune into my breathing. I'm doing my thing. I'm still doing things. I'm not just sitting there with my eyes closed. I can feel zen then. The, the other thing is, I think it's that connection with everybody when everyone's there doing their thing, but we're all, we're all connected. Um, so and the and the other thing is because I lo- that's something I hold so um true to me and so important when there's a sharing with someone when you feel that sort of moment of connection where you think oh you know I I really get that I really relate um you realize that we're we're all the same we're all one mm. consciousness and that makes me feel really zen. It makes me feel like everything is unfolding exactly the way it should do. Mm. So there's that sense of calm. And that comes from the joy inside. I really like that. Also, what you spoke about, about uh, if you're in a busy office and then you suddenly become aware of yourself and aware of your body. I think that's what I've noticed personally from doing the postures a lot more regularly in the past year is now when I'm in a busy environment where perhaps before I would have got a, maybe a bit anxious or a bit sort of flustered or overwhelmed I come I can I find it so much easier to come back into my body because I practice that on the mat I can in those situations go I'm in my body I'm safe in my body I'm okay I can feel my feet on the ground because I've practiced connecting to my feet when I'm in tree pose or whatever. And I think that's a real benefit to doing the postures that people maybe who don't practice yoga aren't aware of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, and the breathing as well. Mm. Um, Noticing, noticing your breathing, noticing when it quickens. Um, The power of the breath can't be um, overestimated you know some some people give birth just using breath as a pain relief you know that that shows you the power of breath um yeah. so uh yes the the grounding that's 
that you talk about having your feet on the floor and you're supported by the earth. The earth is always there, no matter what, mm. um, supporting us. It's okay. That's a great note to end on. So my last question, just for people listening who might want to connect with you or even maybe come to a class, how would people be able to do that? Where's best to reach you? Um, on my website, probably. Um, you can contact me um, at jocoveyoga.com. So um, there's a contact form there. You can see what classes I do, um, a little bit about me. Um, and if you've got any any questions, maybe you can't come to a class, but you're just interested um, in further reading. There's lots of books that I've read in the past that I can definitely recommend. Um, yeah, just make contact. Lovely. Amazing. Lovely. Thank you so much for coming on. You've been so very articulate and I can see your lovely like passion and just I don't know it feels so expansive to hear you talking about something that you love and has made such an impact in your life and I'm so glad that I get to share that with you and now share it with other people as well through doing this podcast so that's amazing and thank you everyone for listening so much if you do if you did like this episode then the best way to share this podcast and get its name out there is to leave a review so I would be so grateful if you could leave a review on apple podcasts and we'll see you in the next episode thank you thank you so much for listening if this episode left you feeling more zen it would mean the absolute world to me if you went and gave it a review it's the best way to get new people into the gen zen community and get even more amazing guests onto the show so we can have more juicy and expansive conversations Thank you so much in advance and until next time, stay zen.